0: Principal Matters Podcast, episode 350. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast, where each week we bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, we're talking about team together. Everyone achieves more with my special guests, Brian Miltenberg and Gary. Carlson, Brian Miltenberg is the proud principal of Aquabog Elementary School in Riverhead, New York. He's been a teacher, dean, and middle school assistant principal and has presented and published on topics including school climate and culture, instructional technology, self-aware leadership, inclusivity, time management, and co-teaching partnerships. Against all logic, he remains a suffering, lifelong Mets and Jets fan. And also in the room with me is Gary Carlson, an elementary administrator, after nearly 20 years as a teacher, and he usually follows that info with a dad joke that he was a good teacher for at least a few of them. He lives on Eastern Long Island with his ultra supportive wife and two sons. As assistant principal of Aquabog Elementary School, he and Brian lead an, ex- an amazing staff dedicated to serving grades K through four with the motto of team. Together, everyone achieves more. Brian and Gary, welcome to Principal Matters Podcast. Why don't you fill in the gaps on that intro and tell listeners something they may be surprised to know about you. And Brian, you go first.
1: Awesome. Well, Will, thanks so much for having us on. We really appreciate it. Um, I mean, I think one gap that I have to fill in because Gary mentioned it is that I also live with my wife and ultra supportive family. So I want (laughs) to get that out there right away to some very special people who might be listening. Um, but yeah, you know, for me, I- I've been really lucky in my career as an educator to have amazing mentors, uh, along the way, including, uh, right now, uh, and at every step. So, uh, you know, my journey started as a teacher in New York city public schools, um, and, uh, made it been going a little bit further East every time that I move. So next time i I think I'm going to be in the ocean if I move again. Um, but, uh, something you might not be know about me or be surprised to know about me well i never wanted to become a teacher actually we interview people who say they always knew they wanted to be teachers i always knew that i probably didn't because i came from a family of teachers um my first goal in life was to be a musician actually uh so i I lived that life for a little bit for a little while um going on the road uh living in a van uh you know traveling and seeing stuff and uh Didn't quite work out, but certainly learned a lot from that that I I carry with me uh, now and um, made my way into education and fell in love with it and never looked back.
0: So, Brian, what instrument or instruments did you play?
1: Uh, Let's see. I was a guitar player, a drummer, and a singer, believe it or not.
0: Man. All right. All right. Next time we're together, it's the Brian Miltenberg Show. So (laughs) Gary and I are going to call you out. Gary, what's something listeners might be surprised to know about you?
2: Well, I just learned a little something about Brian about his his vocal abilities I have seen the some of the instrumentation um, come 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 out in a in an opportunity or two, but I did not know that he, he's yeah. got the uh, the vocal pipes you, to go. Well, <laughs> well, I mean I am. Um, I'm not I'm not an interesting person, so that's probably something you should know about me. So anything any interesting nuggets that you farm out today during the podcast, that's all on you and your skills as as a podcaster. But I, you know I will say that I I sort of secretly credit a 15 year uh, bartending string for a lot of my success in in the administrator role, um, just like I did in the teacher role, I just feel like um, the cue that I I learned to build, you know, when I was younger, in my early 20s, it was a very shallow one. So there was the thing that was right in front of my nose. And if I wasn't addressing it, then I was probably forgetting it or, or displacing it. And um, my cue just sort of really just deepened and deepened and and working uh, in that environment where things were always coming to the forefront, and you were constantly, uh, it just, I I drew a lot of parallels between that and the classroom, where there were a lot of variables and a lot of needs, and you were constantly judging which ones uh, needed attention first and were the most pressing, and um, that's kind of carried over into the assistant principal role, too, where it's, uh, it's, if it's quiet, it means you're missing something.
0: Well, there are some amazing books right behind you, Gary, for those Principal Matters listeners that are listening, they don't get to see that um, obviously, you love children's books. So I would be curious later to find out which of those is your favorite. But but I'll say this about bartending. Um, Jen Schwanke, who co-hosts this podcast regularly, was also a bartender. And so there must be something about that personality that makes it where you can uh, manage all personality types. In, probably with with a smile. So, Gary, that's that's how I think you, you're you so your, your smile is so disarming. Let me set the context for um, listeners. Um, Brian, you are a listener to this podcast, and you reached out to me a long time ago now because we've set up this conversation months ago, and you and Gary have such a unique story that when we were sharing back and forth about those transition stories, I said, I want to invite you guys into the Principal Matters audience to talk about several things. One, the school that you lead. Two, the unique way that you two ended up in leadership together and three of the lessons you guys have learned in that leadership together. So I want you to just take a minute, first of all, to talk about um, Aquabog and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Your beautiful elementary school there in Riverhead, New York. What are some of the outcomes from your school that you guys are most proud of? And then can you talk a little bit about this motto team Together, everyone achieves more and how this has influenced the way you guys service your students and teachers.
1: You wanna start by talking about the school, Gary, and I'll, I'll kind of pick up on the team thing
2: sure absolutely brian so our school is uh, probably a microcosm of schools that a lot of your listeners are are from so if your listeners are from kind of rural settings there's that element is here if your listeners are from kind of a higher density population um, we've got elements of that out here in riverhead too and it's really um, a building that encompasses uh, an evolving demographic that um, has just really been really worthy of celebrating and elevating so we're just making sure we're always trying to elevate and, and celebrate everyone who. Uh, was here a generation ago and also you know is is currently walking through our doors and. Um, our staff is ready for that work and they're just really appreciative uh, they're, they're really engaged in those conversations with us um, some stuff that i um, Brian I'm sure can talk a lot about the things that we're proud of here, um, something that I just wanted to highlight, um, because it's small you know it's easy to highlight like the, the, the big things. Um, but I'm going to highlight this only because we have candidates highlight this uh, for us through the years is uh, something called like our SIP shops program so. Um, one of my sons is uh, you know, neurotypical, and my, I have another son that has uh, sig- multiple significant disabilities. And uh, because of that, we we stumbled upon a program outside of school called Zip Shops, which is a support group for uh, siblings of students with special needs. And
0: I'm going to pause for just a moment because I think Gary's mic. Maybe just going out. Gary, I'm going to ask you to repeat that talk. You're, you were just talking about that program. Tell us the name sure. of it again and then how you guys got involved.
1: Sure. So
2: the, the name of the program was Sib Shops, and it is a, it is a national program that can run in different groups or offices and whatnot. But we hadn't seen it in schools. And so when Brian and I first came here, um, we wanted to take a look at bringing that here, understanding that it would not serve a tremendous percentage of the student population and so um, what we were able to do is find a, a facilitator who ran it outside of schools uh, that my son attended about a half an hour away from here and um, bring her in and talk about the most essential elements of it and we were very fortunate to have a school psychologist who was looking to do exactly that type of work and so um, working with the outside person and and our psychologists were able to establish that back in uh, 2019. Um, and now we're watching it. When I say grow, I more just mean deepen here culturally. And the thing I want to highlight about it, Will, is it only serves about seven kids, right? So we, our school is just under 500 students. And I don't think there's too many programs, like by design, you investigate that serve that small of a student, right? I'm not a math guy, like, you know, calling it one or 2% of your student population. That's generally not how we frame big initiatives around a school, but I just think that it sends the message to our staff and our community that like if our school is going to go this hard after the individual needs and circumstances of these large handful of kids, um, that of course we're going to do that in a classroom with 23 kids. Of course we're going to individualize for families and students because it's what we do as a place, and so anyone who's in this place is doing that for the people that they interact with.
0: Oh, I love that. How do you spell that? Is, is it zip or sip?
2: Oh, I, I apologize. Um, sib, like a sibling. So S-I-B. Oh, Sib. S-I-B. Yep, S-H-O-P-S.
1: Okay,
2: and,
0: yep. Love it. Brian, how about you? What are some things that you would highlight as outcomes and things you guys are proud of serving your students?
1: Well, I think, you know, Gary, I think what the work with Sib Shops kind of speaks to is the larger picture. of One of our operating principles that we think about all the time is how do we make school feel like home for all of our kids Mm -hmm. especially when we are in the midst of a really rapidly changing community Um, and we have an incredibly vibrant community out here on the east end Um, but if you look back you know 15 15 years ago in this community we may have had a you know a handful of english language learners Uh, now we're up to almost like about 50 percent of our students are english language learners so we've seen uh, a great deal of of change in our community, um, and when our community changes, and when we're seeing this, this new richness enter our community, what we're often thinking about is, you know, what do we have to do to change to support everyone in our community? So um, that starts with for us with, you know, how do we how do we greet people at the door? You know, when we started, uh, we had an amazing uh, security team who was our our first faces that would be reading our parents. But um, what we quickly realized is that no matter how great they are, because majority of our parents don't speak English as their first language, they weren't able to get their basic needs met um, on their first and their, so their first experience of being in our school is one of not being able to get what they need, right? So um, we were able to advocate and hire for a bilingual greeter, who has really just, you know, as the first face for our school can help not just our Spanish speaking, but also our English speaking families. So moves like that, that bring a sense of inclusivity that benefit everyone. Um, And so, you know, what we are really looking to do um, is just grow that voice and that leadership for students, staff and families, um, and just, you know, honor and celebrate the language and the culture that we have here in our community, you know, help our community see these things as assets and strengths, um, you know, which they are, and really just design for inclusivity from the start.
0: Wow. Well, let me pause for a moment and tell the principal matters listeners a little context and history because um, even though most of my life I spent growing up in West Tennessee in the farm near my grandparents. My dad was also in the military. So uh when I was young, he was then and then he got out and we were raised back in West Tennessee. But when I was in high school, he re enlisted in the Navy and we lived in New York for a short time uh before he was uh, before his ship was sent to Virginia Beach. So um so I went to school at East Meadow East Meadow High School on on Long Island. And so it's it's and I've looked where you guys are and you're not very far away. I mean you guys are in in in, in a really beautiful part really close to to the ocean there on Long Island, but the demographics of Long Island have changed a lot, and you guys are serving a lot of of second language speakers and for Principal Matters listeners the episode that we're recording right now is going to come out probably sometime in June, because I have so many episodes that are recorded in bank. But one of the previous guests on this show will have been uh, Carlene Thomas, who is a uh, who's a consultant in English language services to schools. And we had a long conversation there about ways that school leaders can be better engaging those students. So I want to park here for just a moment, because with a school who's seen that kind of shift with a student population, I'm just curious. What other um, ways have you guys learned to engage those students in helping them um, it, with language acquisition, and also in and building a community that's cohesive and unified with so much diversity?
1: Well, you know, where I would go is there's kind of um, some things are more are more concrete and built into like curriculum and systems, and some things are more abstract. So, you know, in the sense. Of our school culture one of the things we talk about a lot is language status and power um, you know what we are trying to do is transition from a school in which students might have been reluctant if not embarrassed to show that they speak another language to a school where students are proud to show that they bring this other language to the table so we always use the words um Beautiful, powerful, and valuable when we talk about, about the Spanish language. And, and I, when I say Spanish, it's just because that's our community. It could be whatever, you know, is in your community. Um, but, you know, how have we done that? You know, one of the most powerful things that we've been able to do is to start a dual language program here um, that's now in its second year and growing. Um, and we've had amazing support and an incredible team. Um, and I think what's, what that's kind of really been able to show is just how incredibly smart um, and talented our English language learners are and you see that when they get the opportunity to learn content in their native language while learning English and it's just it's amazing when when some of our staff can come in and see our kids in a new way when they see them come in and they're crushing it in math or in science in Spanish Um, and it's like oh wow like these kids are really smart and it's like we always knew they were smart, but you just, it was hard to get to see it, right? Because you're learning a language while you're learning the content. So, you know, that's been a great, a great gift that we've been able to, to give to our kids with the help of a lot of really talented staff members. And then I think it's just in a lot of the different messaging and signaling um, that we send out and that the staff and the community pick up on in terms of, how do we integrate that language? How do we integrate it into the morning announcements? Um, how do we integrate it into our signage, into the books that are in our libraries, into the communication that we put out to families? Um, and specifically, you know, we do family surveys every year um, in Spanish and English, and we have an extra question that goes onto our Spanish survey um, about just how we can better support Spanish, Spanish-speaking families. You know, and we look really hard at that. Because one of the things we always say is, you know, we're two white, middle-class, monolingual guys, right? So we can't speak for everyone in our community. We have to speak with them. We have to listen to them. Um, And we get, luckily, amazing feedback from them and from our staff and our kids about how we can best move forward to support everyone.
0: Hi, friends. I want to take a quick break here to ask you a question. Did you know that leaders learn better together when we isolate ourselves from the input and insight of others then we work within the limitations of our own ideas and experience and that's why i'm so grateful that you're listening to this podcast right now it's also why i want to keep you informed of upcoming episodes as well as leadership academies mastermind offerings or executive coaching opportunities i'm making available to leaders like you Go to williamdparker.com and check out the services link to learn more or visit my website and select the subscribe button to be on the weekly Principal Matters mailing list. Thank you so much for learning together. Now let's jump back into the rest of today's episode. Thanks for that feedback, Brian. Gary, I'm going to ask you to tell a story about how the two of you ended up in leadership together because part of the conversation that I want to have today too is about the lessons you guys have learned in leadership but that leadership story didn't just start um, when you guys uh, took on uh, these new titles so uh, why don't you take us down that road a little bit and tell us and and feel free to add any additional uh, thoughts you wanted to to what Brian has said but but can you tell us that story?
2: Sure. I'm happy to tell you the story about how, how Brian and I met. I, I'm going to go go back a, a month or two before that, you know, just how, how I wound up in in the, the seat next to Brian and that um, teaching in, in Riverhead for, for 18 years and uh, really being ready to to become an administrator um, and wanting to stay close to home. I've been he- in this district the whole time, and um, it's just a special place for me. And so, there's, there's not a lot of administrative openings, so you know, you don't always get to pick and choose what's what's open. And so, the, a principalship became available here, and having you know no administrative experience, I, I knew that I was a stretch candidate, and. Um, Some people on the interview team even told me that I kind of, you know, maybe started out as like a courtesy, but I wanted to to do it to kind of declare that I was ready for that. Uh, I also was mentioning before the recording started that I was uh, a a union official in the same district for uh, six years and and was very involved for even longer than that. And so it was kind of like a demarcation point for me that I wanted to be forthright with the people I was supporting in that role that I was ready to try to do something else. So uh, over we go to to the interview site, which was not this school, you know, they were holding it off site a little bit. And it was at another elementary school. And I'm saying hi to a bunch of uh, staff members. there because I had worked in that building uh, for for some years and um, they were running behind which apparently is like how all all interviews go running behind and so um, in came the the person who was interviewing after me and this this guy sits down and uh, we just started chatting chatting about family chatting about our background a little bit and um, this person was very happy to like figure out why so many people were saying hi to me because he found it kind of strange that when I told him, no no I worked here for about a decade he said okay well that makes a bunch of sense and you know then I, I got called in and got tunnel vision and you know away away we go and did my best in that interview and so you know after the district concluded its process and I I, I heard the name so that name sounds familiar to me and I saw a, a picture from a board meeting and I said that guy I know that guy that's the uh you know that that's that's the that's the guy I sat next to um and at another principalship interview, I ran into someone I knew before the interview, and that person wound up getting the job. So I'm like the reverse kiss of death for principalship interviews. So if you're an aspiring principal and you're really looking to get in somewhere, you want to make sure you're scheduled right after me because I think I go in. <laughs> I lower those, I lower that bar real low for that interview committee and in comes the subsequent candidate. And it's uh it's very good news. So That's my recollection of the story. You know, a lot's happened over four years, but um, that's, that's the the Miltonberg Carlson origin story from, from my seat.
0: So okay. Brian fill in the gaps. What would you add to that, to that and, story?
1: Well, the funny thing is, is, well, you know, I'm sitting there and Gary's is clearly like uh, a returning, it felt like he was a returning conquering hero in this setting. And the first thing I'm thinking to myself is like, well, there's no way I'm gonna get this. Once he tells me his story, I was like, there's no way I'm gonna get this job. This guy is like, he just seemed like a rock star. Um, so I don't know, someone someone made a mistake somewhere um, and I did end up moving forward. But the first um, thing I can tell you the first thing I thought because the assistant principal of this school at the time actually very quickly left to take a principalship elsewhere. So one of my, my first job, was actually to hire an assistant principal. So my mind immediately went, I was like, hmm. so I called up one of the other principals. I was like, tell me about this guy who I was sitting next to um, because he really seemed like really smart. He seemed really plugged in to what was going on uh, in the community. Um, and it kind of went, it kind of went from there.
0: Oh, I love that story. And it's so unique here. You guys are sitting right by each other, interviewing for the same position and Gary it's it's also there's a lot of emotion involved when you're interviewing for a position in a place where you work and then Brian gets that title but then is able to circle back to you and then pull you into this leadership in a school for which you were very familiar and Brian stepping in as a new leader if I'm if I'm interpreting that correctly The principal AP relationship to me is one of the most unique and not all schools have the privilege of having a principal AP Um, some schools do some schools have teams of uh, administrators, depending on the size of the school but I've been. uh, Both an assistant principal and principal, and so I wanted to just ask you guys about that relationship, how have the two of you personally and professionally benefited from your shared leadership experience from being a team together.
1: Well, you know, I I had an amazing principal when I was a when I was uh, an assistant principal um, who really taught me so much. I mean, obviously about being an assistant principal, but then later about how to work with an assistant principal as a principal. So that's Tim Martin from Iceland, uh just an incredible, incredible guy. Um, and one of the things he always told me was hire your opposites. Um, and so I guess he—that was his way of saying that he and I were opposite, which we very much were. Uh, but it totally worked. Now I don't know if I don't know if Gary and I are total opposites, but you know, I think one of the reasons Gary has become such a mentor to me, um, dis- despite where we are, you know, on the orchard, I do consider him a mentor, is just because he comes with such a different experience uh, than I do. Um, just. In a in a lot of different ways i think our teaching experiences were very different not only in where in the settings we taught the grade levels we taught but just just our general approach um so when you can bring two different sides right and not that it's always a dichotomy together like we just i learned so much from him i i'd like to think he learns uh, from me and we can bring those two different perspectives you know rather than hiring someone who just Matches what you think, says all the things you think you think in the interview, says exactly what you want to hear, and then you end up with two people who think exactly the same and can't can't pivot, can't be flexible. Um, whereas we're always, pu- I think, pushing each other, challenging challenging each other. I think one of the most common things you'll hear, like in our office, is like, um, "I'm going to push back on that," you know. And we push back on each other all the time, and I think that's one of the reasons we arrive at a lot of good outcomes in the end and why it takes a long time for us, seemingly sometimes to make decisions because we go through such a process uh, together, bringing our different perspectives to bear.
0: Wow, and that's such a benefit. Gary, what would you add to that?
2: So I, I would add that, I mean, I've never been in the position of being, you know, a principal and then developing an assistant principal. But a few, a few things that stand out to me are like, what could make it go sideways? Would be a couple of things. One, if the principal didn't trust the aspirations of the assistant principal, or there. was. so when Brian asked me, you know, would you like to be a principal someday? Um, I don't know if how I would have answered that had I not met him as an aspiring principal. So there was just like. I, and he had shared with me that that was a contributing factor to, to my selection as the best candidate, is he was looking for somebody who wanted to do all the things, learn all the things, make, you know, make all the considerations, do their best to take on the, that full leadership perspective. So we never had to have any, uh, any layers about that. And also just really... Um, Brian does, you know I wouldn't say there's any demands placed on me, but th- the expectation is like the only time it's uncomfortable is when we both agree right away on something. Where then we'll have to sit and just deliberately try to manufacture other viewpoints and a lot of times it does happen naturally and so not only is that is that welcome I view that as kind of my. My chief job, and uh, Brian will say to me when we kind of meet and, and make some time to reflect together, he'll tell me, Gary, like you, you're my number one job because when I can make you the lever to all these other things, um, your know, your development and your growth is is my primary responsibility. And um, I told Brian uh, the, off the, you know off the record the other day that, that that is just such a a way you can't set higher expectations for your assistant principal than to say um you're going to develop into a beyond competent principal and in the meantime like um i'm making that my chief responsibility and i have just um thought that that left the onus on me but also set the expectation um really high so you know, we don't we don't hide from each other we don't hide issues from each other we don't hide perspectives from one another and um, if we did uh, it would it would be to the detriment of the school so it's just uh, just not how we function
0: it's obvious you guys trust each other a lot, and for me, that's the most important element of that AP principal relationship. Because I remember, um, well, let me just be blunt: you guys not only engage in the daily routines and processes necessary for school for for school and for children to learn but you also battle together there's there's situations that come to you where you need unity um you need to make sure that you're on the same page you're you're going to move forward with people trying to pull you different directions and trying to put you on sometimes it's almost like you're the parents of a school in a in a sense and the, in the in in kids and teachers and community members might try the well mom didn't give me the answer I want so I'll go to dad or dad didn't give me the answer so I want to go to mom so how do you guys maintain that kind of trust with each other where you can disagree about things but then you show a unified front?
2: I mean I'll, I'll jump in first Brian and I'll say that be, be, that was a concern right so being familiar to so many people in this community which I was Brian was unfamiliar. Um, and exciting. I was familiar and probably a little bit boring to people, but, you, but people did have, I did have deep relationships with some of the staff members here, some of the community members here. So I was very cognizant that that was going to be something that I had to be wary of, and really um, you know, still value the background history you have with people without um, even allowing the appearance that they were leveraging those things into special treatment. Um, we hope everyone gets a high degree of treatment, but that's different than than special treatment. So just being aware and kind of mindful of that was very important. And then I'll also say that I mean, if if we were keeping a tally over four years, maybe there'd be an outlier. I don't know. But it, it, it's, it's not I wouldn't classify it as a unified front, I would really just classify it as actual, authentic, unification, you know, we, we will go through things as, as long as we need to. And when we arrive at that point, um, I've never felt like I've had to compromise a belief or compromise a value in order to support the you know, communication that Brian was gonna put forward. Um, we, we, we got there through like really engaged discussion between the two of us and, and frequently with people beyond
1: just the two of us. Love it. Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of times for us so many times throughout our our time together you know Gary's a very creative person he's a, he's a super ideas guy and <laughs> he just he, the ideas he comes up with are incredible and I think for me um you know when you come coming in unknown to the community there you want to you want to be cautious right you don't you you want to be careful but so many times I think my response has been let's try it you know let's try it um, let's, let's see what happens um, and I think when you can empower rather than control or or manage um, the other leaders in your building I think that's when you start to see like exponential growth because that kind of mentality I think it becomes something that gets pushed out to the community right so if it's me saying that to Gary hey let's let's try it let's see how it goes when we have a new idea that same thing gets goes down to the teachers and to the teacher from the teachers to the other staff uh, and to the students as well, where you can kind of foster a culture of experimentation without fear. Um, And I think that's been a big, big part for us.
0: Well, as we wrap up this conversation, I want to take us into some of the lessons that both of you have learned from transitioning from teaching into school leadership, because a lot of the listeners that, uh, listen to the show are experienced leaders, but also aspiring leaders or leaders that may be even considering a different role. And so I'm just curious from the both of you, if, as you look back, um, if you were to sit down and have coffee with a friend who's like, I'm thinking about becoming a leader, or I'm thinking about moving roles, what are some things that you might share with them that were helpful for you when you were looking at those transitions? Because everyone's journey is different, but what what were what are some things that you would say to them that they may want to keep in mind?
1: I think when you go into a new organization um you have to really be cognizant of just how different or each organization is and you have to become a super student of your school Mm -hmm. Um, because you know schools seem the same on the surface right we do the same things we have classes we have teachers we have lunch they're so incredibly different though in the actual under inner workings of the school Um, and so when you come in You know, I think you have to dedicate yourself 200% to learning uh, what is your school. And that doesn't, it's not done in 90 days. You know, we talk about 90 day plans, but that's a multi-year project. I mean, I think we're still uncovering layers of things we didn't quite understand in our school after four, after four years. Um, But really trying to accelerate that, um, Gary and I joke about the document I created when I overlap with the uh, previous principal for a couple weeks um, just based on contracts and stuff. And I think I really drove him crazy just trying to get as much info out of him before he left. So the first document I shared with Gary was like 50 or 60 pages on just the notes I had taken about what were the structures. Um, and that doesn't even scratch the surface. It truly does not scratch the surface. So I think being a student of your school first before you bring anything in, and avoiding, you know, one of the things we, we talk about a lot, which I kind of refer to as like skin graft leadership or organ transplant leadership, where people try to take, they come into a new role and they say, all right, great. I did these three things um, in my former district. I'm going to take those three things. I'm going to drop them here and we're going to go. And it's like, it doesn't work like that. Like you, we often see a lot of people transitioning who bring solutions in search of problems rather than taking the time understand is that a problem that even exists here before you bring in a solution that works somewhere else you know you have to start organically um and one of the things my former principal said to me and said it in a you know in a blunt way this probably doesn't doesn't maybe sound so professional but he said nobody cares what you did elsewhere and they don't want to hear about it Um, (laughs) He said, I care. I want to hear about it because maybe it's something that we can use. But when you go out to the teachers, do not say, hey, in my old school, we did this. So that's what I want to do. Um, you can bring those things to the surface as you explore the problems and generate solutions. It could be something. But to start with that it is, I found, is just setting yourself up for failure because the immediate reaction, I think, from the people, from the people in your new organization are going to be, okay, this person does not understand us. Did not take the time to understand us and simply wants to you know airdrop uh, something from somewhere else onto here.
0: Avoid skin grafts and organ transplant leadership. I'm so stealing that Brian. Gary what would you add?
2: Sure so I'm gonna I'll add a little bit more to the part of your question about that person who's kind of teetering right and do they want to go from one one pool to the other and um i was just giving advice to a teacher about something a little different this morning i said "Well, take everyone's advice has to be really consumed personally right so this might be like really hit home advice for somebody it might be terrible advice for another listener right? and you leave it up to them to decide but you want to do it so that you feel happy and fulfilled too right like don't don't forget about yourself and i think the difference between i feel so happy and fulfilled by this work. And I, I was trying to think right after you asked the question, this is not something I sit around and think about about it, but like you have, if you don't come at it with benevolence and like the assumption of good intentions for every family, every student, every staff member, every community issue that comes your way, don't do it. Because it, it's difficult work and if you think that you know the kids are the variable the students are the variable the families are the variable i'm not going to say if that's true or not true but from from a mindset standpoint and this is really something i arrived at after brian spearheaded some mindfulness training for about half of our staff this year like you i'm the variable for all of them and so when i assume that responsibility and i approach it that way i'm happy and i'm happy when i'm giving uh devastating news or i'm happy when i'm calling with you know the the kind of phone calls you don't want to have to make or to families or the kinds of conversations with staff that you you know are, are not going to be what they showed up wanting to have in a day if you could be forgiving of yourself and others because you're just you know that that family even if it's not the approach you take is being the best parent for their kid that they know how and they believe how, and you give them that respect in every single interaction, you know, same with the staff and same with a kid, whether they're five years old, you know, and figuring it out on the playground, or they're, you know, someone who's older, and uh, you're you're teaching them uh, some internet search savvy, Um, assuming that 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 child is doing the best that they can, and that you're there in that in a coaching slash support role, um, you'll feel fulfilled and happy. And if you view them as all these things that are just happening to you as you're along your journey, I, ju- I just think I'd be half miserable. And um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise it if that's your mindset.
0: Oh, that's such great advice, Gary. Well, Ryan Miltenberg and Gary Carlson, I, the, I'm just so inspired by um, how real you guys are in your leadership, how the perspectives that you've had, uh, that you have right now leading but I want principal Matters listeners to also know how they can connect with you because there are leaders out there right now that have already heard you say something within your conversation that are like, hey, I want to steal that idea or I want to try that with my staff or I want to know how I can better do this with my with my students. So as we wrap up, I, I just want to ask each of you to share how can folks find you and connect with you and any parting um, words of advice that you would want to leave with with listeners today.
1: Yeah, so uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm not necessarily as active as I used to be, but at Brian Miltenberg, uh, people can definitely connect with me there. Uh, If you're local, we'd love to, we always welcome visitors. We love to share what we've got going on. Um, And what I would say to anyone um, listening is just to be, to always remain in that learning mode. Um, I think that's one of the reasons that we've, we've been able to be successful to the extent. To the extent that we have here um is by never never stopping being a new principle right you're always a new principle because communities and dynamics are always changing um everything is always is always changing seemingly these days right so you are always a student of what's happening and a learner first um and that enables us to think process act slowly move slowly um and when you move and act slowly it seems like things are going at a slow pace but when you look back as we do now over you know four years together we can see what we accomplished which is a great deal um, by moving so slowly um and we are we're lucky to have an incredible team here you know that's always been um, a gift to us here
2: and you know uh well for me you know my my parting advice, uh, Brian touched touched on a lot of it about, you know, kind of decision points sometimes being a mirage, you know, and they're, they're maybe not as close as they need to be. But so I, I'm going to just share something that I've, I've begun sharing with families that just feels really authentic and i think is deepening my relationships with them which is you know letting them know that we're here for like the the facebook and the high fives and the fist bumps and all all the great celebration that takes place between you know the school and the school community but to also understand that we're just as here for when it goes uh, sideways for their child, because um, I, I wouldn't have a job if students didn't have struggles. Um, we teach we teach math and and reading and writing and science and social studies, um, but there's so much other uh, learning that's kind of between that's tucked between all that curriculum that um, administrators support, and that, that, that there's nothing to be ashamed of when our phone number pops up, um, and it's not a robocall and it's my actual voice, um, and we have to talk about something that that's. Um, a real learning opportunity for the student. And it's not a moment of, of shame or, uh, or reservation on my end or shame on the family's end to have to have that conversation. So to uh, to lean into that and to normalize that with families. Um, if you want to connect uh, with me, or well, you should reevaluate and connect with smarter, more engaging people. But if you still want to after that, uh, the Twitter handle is uh, Gary, Gary K. Jr. like uh, on Twitter. And uh, we, we would love to keep the conversation going.
0: Gary K. Jr. Is that Gary K. J-R or J-U-N-I-O? Uh, J-R. J-R. All right. Yeah. Brian Miltonberg and Gary Carlson. I just want to say as we wrap up, um, you know, Jimmy Casas likes to say when he's talking to school leaders about the ultimate goal of, school leadership is building a community and I have to agree and you guys everything that you've talked about today is just such a great reminder that every day the responsibilities that we have as leaders ultimately means that we're building a community where people feel safe uh, where people um, can trust one another and Gary I'm so glad you ended where you did too which is also a place where you have permission to struggle Um, this isn't just a place where we celebrate achievement it's also a place where you can be yourself And when you need help, guess what? We're here to help you. Well, guys, I just want to say thank you. I've set up this meeting in the middle of a school day where you're already putting out fires. I know from my pre-recording conversation that you guys are already in the middle of doing school business. So thank you so much for the way you serve your communities, for the way you love your kids, for the work that you're doing. And Principal Matters listeners, thank you for doing what matters. And we'll talk to you again soon. You can find free resources like this one at my website at williamdparker.com. Check out the services link on williamdparker.com to learn more about leadership academies, mastermind offerings, and executive coaching. If you're planning professional development for the year ahead, or you're looking for keynote presentations from any of my books, please email me at will at williamdparker.com. Thank you for learning together today, and thanks again for doing what matters.